This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. On this episode of Inside Supercars, we speak to three young starters in the supercars paddock who are working their way up through the PR ranks. Competitiveness doesn't stop on track. I feel like we're all competitors. Like, I feel like we're actually really supportive of each other in a way, but we definitely want to beat each other and try and be the best that we can be. I think we can all agree too is that uh, technology doesn't make it easy sometimes too. <laughs> Social media, uh, while uh, everyone loves it, there are some difficult aspects that we have to deal with uh, when it comes to that part of it too. Not everything works as it's supposed to. As media or PR representatives for the team, like we spend a lot of time together, us, however many of us up and down pit lane, whether it's at signing sessions or at appearances, like we do actually get to know each other really well. Rachel Cherry from BJR, Slade Perkins from Matt Stone Racing and Emily Dixon from Dick Johnson Racing. We hear about how they got themselves to supercars and what it's like being behind the scenes in the inner sanctum. It's all coming up on Inside Supercars and it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Bell, and we're joined by three people who normally don't sit the other side of a microphone. They're normally holding microphones and interviewing their drivers. We've got three of the PR people in our paddock and they've been here in varying degrees, length of time. We'll start with on our left, we've got Rachel Cherry, spelt the same way as the fruit, uh, who's with BJR and is PR and partnership manager. We have Slade Perrins, who is now we, of course, his name would be known to some people who pay attention to bylines. Slade Perrins, who was with Matt Stone Racing and is PR and events manager. And Emily Dixon, who comes from DJR, wearing all her bright red outfit with shell written all over it. Emily, welcome on board to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. What we want to do is try and open the idea up to people who, who might own a career writing in some way, whether it's on the internet or paper, doesn't matter, but the idea of being a communications PR manager in a race team, because it's something that most people wouldn't think of. And it obviously is a great opportunity because commerciality and the what it involves is more important than ever has been. So first of all, we would start with you, Rachel, and tell me about how you got to this job at BJR. Absolutely. So um, I always wanted to work in motorsport when I went to university studying communications. That's where I wanted to end up. Um, I told, I think it was our course director, you know, I had a 
big interest in motorsport and she hooked me up with an internship with a lovely woman named Amanda Jackson. So she looked after a lot of Andrew's um, PR back in the day and she took me to Shannon's Nationals and to Winnenats and I got the experience there and she kind of helped me along my way. So she's a wonderful mentor and I owe a lot to her. Um, and from there I kind of got a job at Queensland Raceway, head to Bear Media and Speed Cafe like Slade and then I went over to Seven News for a bit, so I did social media for them and eventually came to Brad Jones Racing when there was an opportunity that came up and I'm, yeah, really happy where I am. Slade. Yeah, so I sort of started in motorsport media when I was 16 and that was uh, as a part-time job with Speed Cafe um, and then on the other side, another part-time job with Grove Racing as their PR manager um, and both of those journeys were, the Grove journey was about four years and uh, got the opportunity to do some overseas travel with them uh, spa when they um, when Stephen Grove did Super Cup um, and with Speed Cafe side um, I spent my last two years doing a traineeship with Speed Cafe um, of high school so year 11 and 12 um, and then eventually graduated to score a full-time job with Speed Cafe I did commercial for a year um, so managing the advertising on the website and then um, after that I uh, was afforded the opportunity to move into a supercars journalist role uh, and covered supercars for a couple of months um, and uh, sort of at the at the start of this year I um, I moved on to a new venture and that is uh, working with Matt Stone Racing uh, as PR and events manager and uh, sort of have uh, loved every single weekend and, and keep loving it every every time we turn up to a racetrack. And Emily, Emily Dixon, tell us your story. I have a very different story to everyone else I think. Um, so I've only been in motorsport six months. I have no sort of experience in motorsport before that but where my experience lies is in media. So I grew up sort of dancing, performing, acting, and when I graduated high school, I studied um, mass communications, majoring in advertising and entertainment, and then went on <clears throat> to get a contract with Channel 10, presenting in one of their kids' TV shows. So I worked at Channel 10 for the better half of six years as a presenter, producer, across Totally Wild, Studio 10. This is Brisbane, of course. Yes, yep, but aired nationally around, yeah, yep, right. yep. Um, and Toasted TV, so a few household names that people might know. Um, unfortunately, the kids' TV department is now closed and we were all sort of made redundant. So then I ventured into more freelance TV work and was sort of working in radio as well. And in amongst these roles, you're script writing, you're producing, you're dealing with um, talent, clients, you're constantly like facing external stakeholders. Um, and then while doing that, I was also freelancing for the Brisbane Lions. So have definitely dabbled in elite sport and came over to DJR at the start of 2023, which has been a big like learning curve, obviously learning motorsport, but it's been so wonderful to be able to bring my media experience into the team because I think now more than ever, like content is so important, plus having the networks to be able to showcase our team and what an incredible team it is. You're opening up something there which I'd like to hear from all three of you about, and that is bringing new ideas. Race teams traditionally are not places that go, oh, I don't know if we want to do that, you know, sort of thing. Um, so the idea of actually presenting something, that, why don't we try this, is not something they readily do. And yet, at the same time, of course, race teams are more adaptive than most other sports because they constantly have to reinvent themselves, constantly have to reinvent cars and all those sort of things. Have you found that a, a challenge to get the ideas in? 
Um, no, not a challenge at all. Our team is super supportive. They're very on board. It's a bit noisy behind us. Um, very on board with new ideas and embracing, I guess, yeah, new concepts, especially because, you know, I think up and down pit lane, you are seeing this massive change in content across all sports, not just our sport, but all sports. So you have to keep up with that and we have to keep appealing to the younger generations as well. So by doing that, you need to be adaptable and you need to be able to create new ideas. And I look at the content that all the teams are posting at the moment and it is top notch, like it is amazing content. So no, our, like DJR has been amazing. They've been so great and, and willing and wanting to, to make those changes. Slade, you had probably the journalist hardcore introduction with Speed Cafe. How do you sit on the other side when you're trying to protect that nugget of information? Um, yeah, I think the, the Speed Cafe, the Summit Speed Cafe was really valuable now moving into the other side of the, of the fence because I know what the journalists want. I've been in that seat. I know what they're chasing, what they want to know. And, and, uh, and at the same time, what you can give them to uh, give them a little bit of a nugget and uh, maybe keep them away from something that you don't want them to, uh, to talk about. And Rachel, content being king, with so many social media channels and so many different formats that you need to present things in, how difficult is that as a job to keep your head around all those different items and making sure you're covering them? It's extremely difficult. Um, you have to have different strategies for every different channel. You look at um, how content performs on Instagram to how it performs on Facebook and it's totally different. You have audiences that react yeah, completely different um, to that content when you then throw it on TikTok or something. It, you need to have it in that format that's going to appeal to that audience and that demographic. So it's staying on top of that and making sure that your strategy is in place is, yeah, that's very important going forward. Also, I think um, I think we can all agree too is that uh, technology doesn't make it easy sometimes too. <laughs> Social media, uh, while uh, everyone loves it, there are some difficult aspects that we have to deal with uh, when it comes to that part of it too. Not everything works as it's supposed to. And having, de having Brad Jones, the now YouTube sensation, how hard was it to, uh, when he worked out how much money he could make with those videos on OnlyFans, how, how hard was it to turn him away from that? Um, well, we still have to keep talking out of it every day. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he will take any publicity. <laughs> it would be safe to say that if there's a corporate team in the paddock, Dick Johnson Racing have is the uh, clinical team. Do you look at some of the content that your colleagues are getting made and go, gee, I'd love to have a go at something like that? Um, yeah, I think we're so lucky. Like, we get to make a lot of different content, like we're saying. Like, we do a lot of stuff for our partners, a lot of in-house content for them, which we're very proud of. But then we do get to make some of the fun stuff as well. It might be slightly different, our approach, because that is our brand to other teams. But... Um, no, I love what we make and I'm really proud of it. But it is always fun to see what everyone else is doing too. And I think there is like maybe a little, I think we all want to level up against each other, don't we? <laughs> We're all like, oh, what's everyone else doing? Let's <laughs> say that. But, you know, the competitiveness doesn't stop on track. I feel like we are all competitors. Like, I feel like we're actually really supportive of each other in a way, but we definitely want to beat each other and try and be the best that we can be. And yeah, uh, it definitely doesn't stop on track. <laughs> I think that is um, an interesting factor in this role as well because as the media media or PR 
representatives for the team, like we spent a lot of time together, us, however many of us up and down pit lane, whether it's at signing sessions or at appearances, like we do actually get to know each other really well. And I think all of us have a really lovely relationship, which is a nice part of it too. There is the joke that one of the main jobs is carrying the helmet. And uh, certainly you guys would have said that about people in your role in the past. How much percentage is helmet holding and how much is actually the work you wanted to do? I reckon the helmet hold, there's a, there's a few items because I've got, I've got a checklist before a race. It's uh, helmet, jacket if it's a cold round, umbrella, water bottle, uh, there's a gel that Cam likes to have before a race. It just keeps going on. Um, but if I was to put a number to it, it's probably only 2 or 3%. Um, but that's not to uh, take away from how important it is because if we're managing that sort of stuff, we've got the things that the drivers need right there when they want them. It takes their mind off, off that stuff and they can focus on what they really need to focus on, which is the driving stuff. I didn't realise I need to figure out is how the sun works because, yeah, with umbrella holding, you need to know which direction the sun is to be able to actually get the shade in the right place. Yeah, the first race I ever did that for Bryce, he took the umbrella away from me, so <laughs> I, I hope I've improved. <laughs> it's not just where the sun is, it's where the camera is, because that's got a logo on it, and Brad expects that logo to be on TV. Yeah, he certainly does, but the umbrella also has a lot of logos, so that's also when you get to the front of the grid, you make sure the umbrella's up really high, so you can try and get that in the shot as well. Oh, there's the train, yes. train, there you go. But the one thing I'd like to hear from each of you, and start, Rachel, with you, is if you're able to go back to your maybe not maybe 10 years but maybe eight years ago younger self and about what you're now doing what do you think you would like to have picked up in more of skills to what you do now um well that's something that I've focused on like from the very beginning is make sure that I picked up as many skills as possible um I'm really happy with what I have picked up over the way I feel like if I'd kept doing videos a bit more because I I was doing them maybe 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago a lot more than I kind of kept doing. Um, if I kept in that, I feel like I'd be in a better place, but yeah, I'm kind of happy with the broad range of skills I have. For me, um, what sort of has taken me by surprise uh, into the, the PR role is the social aspect. I'm not talking about social media like Facebook and Instagram, but it's the face-to-face -face social that you do, uh, interactions with sponsors, drivers, uh, team members. So um, that, it, it can be taxing sometimes. You do go home at the end of the day and you've talked so much that uh, you really just want to put your head in a pillow and not talk to anyone else. Um, so that, yeah, that is something that, um, that I'm, I'm still working on and I wish I'd, uh, I'd uh, started that a bit earlier because it is a challenge. I guess probably for me, not coming from a motorsport background in the role that I'm in right now, watch more motorsport would be my <laughs> advice to my, myself eight years ago. But I think a good skill for people to have is yes, definitely networking, but also crowd control. Try to get drivers through crowds or, or politely tell people, sorry, we've got to keep moving. It's you a real- You have a problem with you? No, no, surprisingly not. So always smiling and always just, you've got to keep moving around the track. <laughs> just, I was wondering, do you think you have an advantage having that television background knowing how video heavy content is these days? I guess so because like producing is my background and I'm very fortunate to work with a wonderful content creator so I do understand how script works, producing works, how socials work. I know the back end of a radio interview, I know sort of what Slade said, like you know what you're looking for and how to kind of edit that and stuff so is it an advantage or just an added skill set? I don't know but I'm glad I have it. <laughs> yeah. And last question, 
What words of encouragement, a 15-year-old sort of coming by and say, how do you do your job? How, how should I go about it? What words of encouragement do you give that person? Um, I'm all about collaboration and teamwork. So I think to me, my, my advice to everyone is just treat everyone with kindness and have a positive attitude. And that's, that's the most important thing for me. Yeah, 100% same, yeah, because uh, there's so many people up and down the paddock and you never know when, uh, when you're gonna work for them or work with them and it's, uh, treat everybody as you'd like to be treated. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, agree with both of them. Well, thank you very much, Rachel Cherry, Slade Perrins and Emily Dixon. Greatly appreciate your words. And I hope somewhere out there that we will encourage someone to say, gee, that's something I hadn't considered. That's something I could do. Yeah, it's so fun. Come join us. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Have paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.